Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and forgotten taxpayers. You are not forgotten forever. You will always be remembered by here, your host, Daniel Horowitz at the Conservative Review Podcast. I do have a little bit of a cold today, but we will try to make this a long show, the grand finale. It is December 20th, but for us, it is may as well be December 31st because uh, this will be our last show for the year as many uh, take off the full week. Believe me, I'm not taking off. We are going to pound away with our written content. You could follow me on Twitter at rmconservative. You could email me. This is interactive. We're going to improve on that next year, hopefully. Every year we grow. Every year we innovate. Um, This is a movement. We're not going away. We are going to tell the truth and throw the red flags on the political class every day. Every day I wake up, I'm going to speak the truth on as many issues as I can possibly cover. And believe me, we're not going away. It will be a week and a half hiatus. Um, And that's just really from video. Um, We are going to have a special guest today, very special guest, Steve Dace, my soulmate in this uh, in this business um, colleague here at Blaze Media. And, you know, I just want to first take an opportunity to thank my employer, Blaze Media. Um, Not many people would give someone like me a platform. Let's put it that way. Uh, I speak the truth on too many issues too bluntly uh, that very few people are willing to hear it. Given that this movement is rotten to its core and no one really is conservative anymore or cares about conservative outcomes, there's a lot where that is coming from. And there's a reason for that. The money dictates it. So the fact that they are willing to put up with me and give me this platform, I'm certainly thankful of that. I'm thankful of all of you for for giving me this platform, for listening, for for sticking with me for all these years, as well as the new audience this year. We added the video component uh, in the middle of the year. It was certainly a very productive year. We've accomplished so much um, on immigration, on the border, Um, but also giving specific stories, specific personal stories. It's something I want to do more next year, have victims of crime on the show to give their perspective that that nobody else in politics or media cares about anymore. I want to focus more on primaries, the the few that we can make a difference in. I want to focus more on state issues that maybe we have a better shot at influencing. Those of you who have been here for quite some time know that I'm not a complainer. Everyone is, you know, some people accuse me of, oh, you you just whine, you complain. Nobody has put out more forward-looking articles and ideas on very specific issues and strategies than I have. And that's really what animates me. I'm animated by the fact that it doesn't have to be this way. Politics doesn't have to be this broken. The Republican Party doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to put up with only the Democrat or Republican parties. Problem is we need more people willing to push some of these common sense ideas. So in that vein, forward-looking, I want to just give, I wouldn't say a closing argument because it's over with, but a post-mortem on this entire two-week period with conservatives getting crushed, 
crushed by the Republican Party and President Trump, screwing us on a year's worth of budgetary and legislative priorities while they are impeaching him. It, it's, it's surreal. You, know, you look at this movement. We have so, many, so much noise, banging, noise. We have a harmony without a melody. We have an icing without a cake. We have cheerleaders without a football team. What impeachment was like is two cheerleader teams like yelling at each other, except one actually has a football team on the field. There's only one team on the field. So we yell at each other over impeachment. And the president, just today, we'll put it up on the screen here. I'll, I'll read his tweet. By, by the time you hear this, um, he would have already signed it. I will be signing our $738 billion defense spending bill today. It will include 12 weeks paid parental leave give our troops a raise, importantly creates the space for southern border wall funding, repeals Cadillac tax on health plans, raising smoking age to 21. Big. So first of all, if any of you thought the swamp forced Trump to do this, oh, it's they, no, no, no. Trump's White House negotiated this. He wanted the raising of the smoking age. He wanted that. So that's just out there. Now, I don't know what he's talking about here. It's the conflation of three different bills, but, I mean, that's how he kind of talks. It's not one. It's a defense authorization bill. It's a defense spending bill, and then the rest of the spending bills. Each one contains a different one of those provisions. Now, he says there's a troop raise. Well, yeah, but there's also a 3.1% pay raise for all the federal workers that are undermining his presidency. But, you know, I guess Trump likes to be a masochist. Um, the paid parental leave, that's for them as well um the cadillac tax repeal i love it do you know the democrats all voted for it and they put out a press release praising it for the very reasons chip congressman chip roy and i discussed yesterday because it actually helps obamacare the smoking age <laughs> i mean this is a man i mean basically sanctuary cities have cut his you know what off i mean states are owning the federal government on immigration yet we take from the states the smoking age. So there you go. Democrats tell us we're nothing but feces. We elect Republicans, including President Trump, to tell us that the feces on our leg is really water. It's really um, medicinal. So it's a medicinal uh, healing powers. It's good for us. Go drink it. I mean, don't lie to us. Just say, look, it's the end of the year. It's before Christmas. I don't have the fight in me, so I'm just giving them what they want. Don't, don't lie to me. And the reason why I'm doing this is for a very important reason. It's not to cry over spilt milk. It's what does the second term look like? So next, it's three years, but it's really four years because this signs away the entire leverage. All these three bills, are, that's it. There's nothing more, meaning you could have an illegal alien 9-11 take place, and you won't have a must-pass piece of legislation intersecting with that event that you could leverage action. There's, there's nothing left. That's, this is it. So this is it for the first term. And, you know, th this, is, this is the biggest thing. Now, of course, he doesn't mention all of the garbage that's in the bill, all that's not in it, all the stuff we talked about that keeps growing every day that his negotiation team knew about it. And, and friends, this is the joke. 
President Trump would tweet out how terrible the Koch brothers are. And then that week, literally, he would hire Koch brother alumni to serve on his legislative and policy teams in the White House that negotiate all this stuff. What a joke. And again, don't blame it on the Democrat House because Trump was doing this when Republicans controlled the House. Remember March 2017, that was the first budget because it extended from Obama's administration. They were on a continuing resolution and they promised oh, a skinny budget. Remember that? And, and, and they had all these spending cuts and then they, they actually increased spending. And Mulvaney, who was then the OMB director before he became Trump's chief of staff, he said, no, 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 no. This is already leftovers from Obama. Let's wait till September, the first fiscal year of 2018, our budget. Then we're really going to fight. And then they went back even more. Nothing on the border wall, nothing on Planned Parenthood. And this is the thing. The biggest thing we work on here on this show is political amnesia. Because every day with social media on this era, everything is like there's so much stuff. And, and we're all fighting these micro battles. We lose sight of the broader picture. And we lose sight of the trends. We had an earth-shattering event in a 40-year debate over abortion where there were videos that came out of Planned Parenthood talking about trafficking baby parts. So it was like they were caught red-handed. You know, many people say, like, yeah, it's unfortunate. There's times you need an abortion, safe, rare, and legal. No, it came out undeniably that they are, it's Planned, Planned Parenthood butchery a private butcher organization getting taxpayer funding. Again, this is not getting rid of like public funding, like Medicare, Social Security. This is simply not funding a private butchery human trafficking organization that kills babies. And even Democrats were like, yeah, when that, I remember at the time when those videos came out, there was a thought that Republicans would win a defunding battle, even when, because Obama was still president, but they had control of the House and the Senate. And lo and behold, Republicans didn't do it. But then Trump won. They had all three branches. It's still funded. Oh, Daniel, well, the Democrats control the House. Well, they didn't control the House in 2017 and 2018 when we had about seven or so different budget bills and, and debt ceilings and leverage points. So that's what that. That's what that. But anyway, yesterday, the Senate voted, you know, the House voted on Tuesday, the Senate voted to pass both of these bills. The NDAA was was earlier in the week. And the funny thing is, all but two Democrats voted for the main omnibus and all but seven Democrats voted for the one with defense and DHS. So when the White House and the president, they're going to put out a Kellyanne Conway, all these talking points. Oh, yeah, we got some great stuff. Give me a break. The proof is in the pudding. Look at the vote tally. Do you think Democrats are going to allow their lunch to be to be eaten by him? They voted for and even the few who voted against it, like to, to uh, Tom Carper from Delaware and Kirsten Gillibrand from New York voted against the main omnibus bill. Um, about. 21 Republicans voted against it, which again should tell you everything you need to know of who, what type of bill this really is. All the conservatives voted against it, all the liberals supported it. 
But Kirsten Gillibrand, she voted against it probably for some random reason. I mean, you know, there's any number of reasons you're going to vote against the omnibus budget bill. And she was actually has press releases bragging about all the pork in it. So she wasn't that offended by it. And even the DHS bill, which contained the 70 miles of border funding, um, only seven out of 47 Democrats voted against it. Okay, now, a number of the five of the senators running for president didn't vote. They were in Iowa for the debate. So maybe a few more would have, but I mean, that's a tiny fraction. And again, I looked, I couldn't find a press release. We're like, could you believe it? We gave Trump a border. No, it was Kabuki theater. They didn't want to go on a record as having voted for it, but they weren't offended by it. Why? Because Democrats wanted that, tr that tweet from Trump. They wanted to give it to him. They know all Trump and congressional Republicans and conservative media cares about are talking points. They get the outcomes and the results. Republicans get the talking points. Oh, we got this. We got that. And half the things on his list are liberal. More than half of them, conservatives shouldn't support. They're not good. Because guess what? They're winning in the courts on immigration and they're winning in the sanctuaries. And this bill did nothing about it. No bill. They're skating away with four years from the Trump presidency, the most anti-illegal immigrant president ever. Two of the years they had trifecta control. All they get is 70 miles of border wall out of 2,000 miles where the cartels could get, get anyone in at any other point. I mean, I mean, there's other areas with walls, but there's still plenty of areas that don't have. And then guess what? The amnesty bill that they put in this bill, MS-13 traffickers, we've had 400,000 unaccompanied alien minors who aren't un unaccompanied. They are sponsored by other illegal aliens, ruining our sovereignty. Think about the stolen sovereignty. They get to break into the country illegally. They have a bigger lobby than we do. They get to lobby for driver's licenses. They get to lobby, lobby for all these provisions when we get nothing. They get to make us pay for the rope to hang ourselves with. They get to be counted in the census and distort our representation. They get citizenship for their kids. And they get to traffic, pay the drug cartels who then use the revenue to kill us with the drugs to bring in their kids and we reunite them on taxpayer dime, settle them under the Office of Refugee Resettlement out of HHS with taxpayer funds, treat them as refugees. And their reward for doing that under this bill that Trump is signing today is that they get shielded from ICE's removal powers. That is so much bigger than a border wall. It's not as sexy as, as oh, I got border wall funding. And that's the thing. Democrats aren't stupid. They know Trump likes symbolism and talking points that provision i will tell you without any exaggeration that is the worst amnesty provision codified into statute since 1986 we've had a lot of bad things but they were executive or judicial this is actually codified into statute by the legislature hundreds of thousands of people engaging in bringing in the worst MS-13 members. Just yesterday in Maryland, we had another girl who was discovered killed by four 18th Street 
members. I'm trying to get their information, but what it appears is they're all 16 to 24 years old. They were brought in recently by these very sponsors that are now going to get amnesty. So remember, not only is interior enforcement more important than a border wall, which the Democrats understand that, but this provision that they put in defeats the border wall too because, first of all, it's only 70 miles, but even if you had 2,000 miles, under this policy, if you are come in as just a teen, and again, they're not kidnapped, they're not unaccompanied, it's orchestrated. The parents are bringing them in, but they know to bring them in alone. We, under erroneous policy, we will bring them in and resettle them and then give the parents amnesty or whatever other relative. Or now what's going to happen is just any person, even if their kids are already here or they don't have kids, but if they know that's going to be their ticket to amnesty, they're going to start kidnapping and trafficking and all sorts of stuff. This is the only place you're going to hear about this. Talk to Tom Homan about it. We spoke offline a couple days ago. He was in he was furious about it. He's the former ICE director. Anyone who works for ICE understands this. Democrats understand this. But the Teletubby Republicans don't understand it. And I hate to say, President Trump is being nothing but a Teletubby here. We get talking points. They get results. And you want to talk about results. Folks, you, you need to read this article of mine. We'll put up here on the screen for our video audience um, so you can see the census report that our buddies at the Center for Immigration Studies put out. Mass migration has given Democrat states 24 more seats. Could you imagine a greater stolen sovereignty than that? A greater threat to self-governance? We don't have a country for, for citizens anymore. The value of citizenship is meaningless. This cuts to the core of the Declaration of Independence. This is the core of my book, Stolen Sovereignty. What, what um, Stephen Camerata and Karen Ziegler at CIS did is they um, took the census data and they figured out how much did Democrats gain out of Hart Seller, the 1965 immigration bill. If you add that all up, plus the illegal immigration it spawned, how many extra seats, it, meaning if you would take that out, what would the composition of reapportionment look like in the 2020 census? And what does it look like with all that immigration? And it turns out that there's a total of 26 states that transfer, 26 seats that get transferred, but 24 more seats are lost from states that Trump won. They found that Ohio loses three seats the most, um, Michigan and Pennsylvania have two fewer. Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi, Wisconsin, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, South Carolina, Tennessee, Utah, West Virginia. Um, all have, all lose a seat. California, of course, has gained 11 seats as a result of immigration. Um, New York has four more. New Jersey has two more. Massachusetts gets one more. Illinois gets one more. Now, Texas did get four more, but it came at a cost. So it juiced up a red state, but now it's making the red state, well, not so red. Now, again, this doesn't mean just these 10 years for this census. It means they, they looked at the immigration in totality 
you know, since 1970. Um, so that's number one. Mass migration has an effect. Number two is even worse. Not only do we have mass migration, then we count immigrants and illegal immigrants in the census. And I'm not just being counting them in the census. That's fine. I mean, we count them and factor them in for reapportionment. Meaning the idea is citizens should vote. Only citizens vote. So only citizens should be counted in reapportionment because otherwise it's the immigrants are having almost as powerful of a vote because if they are distorting representation, think about it. So again, a lot of these immigrants since 1970 have become citizens. So obviously they you know, get to be counted, but CIS is, is giving you a measure of just how much immigration has affected it. Now they're naturalized citizens. But if you look at those who are still immigrants, we shouldn't be counting them. That is responsible for 10 seats being transferred. That's a 10 electoral college votes. Remember, in the foreseeable future, Republicans have a very narrow window with the Electoral College. That makes a big difference. Do you know how many contentious pieces of legislation passed the House with um, a margin of less than 10 votes? Obamacare. And remember, if you factor in all immigrations, 24 seats, that's more than... Um, you know, Republicans need 21 seats to win back the House. Friends, that is what winning looks like. That's what three-dimensional chess looks like. That's what outcomes, successful outcomes, playing the long game looks like. Democrats play the game. Republicans, Bill Lee, the Tennessee governor, a state Republican, Trump carried by 30 points. More refugees. He wants more refugees. Meanwhile, Tennessee has lost the state because of all the uh, lost the seat because of all this immigration. And, and, and remember, it's not just from state to state. It's even within the states. What are all the areas getting illegal immigrants and, and legal and legal immigrants? It's mainly the metro areas. So the rural areas lose out. So meaning even if it's a red state, but it's going to be the urban areas getting potentially an extra seat within the state because they're counted that way. And um, Democrats get an extra seat that way. So Texas is, a, is the perfect ex example. It's not going to be Northwest Texas getting it. It's going to be Houston and the Rio Grande Valley that get it. There is no reason we should be counting them in the census. Again, those that are already naturalized, they're naturalized, nothing you can do. But it is an argument for shutting off immigration. But in terms of the census, just, just this decade, not in totality, just this new census, red states are going to lose three seats to blue states because of illegal immigra immigrants being counted in the census. This was the entire impetus that Madison said and Roger Sherman and Joseph Story, why they transferred immigration power which resided with the states under the Articles of Confederation to the federal government under the new constitution in 1789. The reason was because they didn't want states just being selfish and juicing up their numbers with too many immigrants of a, of a kind that aren't good for the country at large, but they get to um, 
juice up their numbers. It wasn't fair. That's why it was given to the federal government. And yet that's, what's, that, that's literally what's happening. And think about sanctuary cities. You want to talk about the power of sanctuary cities. Nullifying immigration enforcement. De facto amnesty. They're winning on it. But think about how they're winning nationally. The more sanctuary cities you have, the more you attract illegal immigrants. And the more you attract them to your states, the more you take from other states. They get to have their cake and eat it too. Who says crime doesn't pay? California gets extra seats. Trump could end that tomorrow. Legal immigrants are a little bit complicated. That is somewhat of a constitutional debate whether we have to count them. Certainly it wasn't. In, certainly, remember, we had very few immigrants when they passed the 14th Amendment in um, 1867. So it made sense, all right, count all persons. But now it's ridiculous to do that. You're disenfranchising your, citizen, your citizenry when you have that many immigrants plus counting them in the census. You can't have it both ways. I need to study that more, whether that requires a constitutional amendment, but what I am positive, and I wrote about in my book, and I have an article out on it, illegal immigrants, they are literally considered as if they were standing physically outside our border. That is 130 years of case law, which we don't enforce. Trump could have ended that tomorrow. Not just having a census to know how many illegals there are in a given place. He didn't even fight for this part. This is discounting them. They should not be counted reimportionment. But no, we don't fight. And again, this sounds like real earth shattering. Ask your neighbor, ask your average Democrat. Look, you and I are both citizens. I might be a conservative, you're a liberal. But don't we all agree that there is a value to American citizenship? You might want more immigrants to come in and, and then to become citizens. But 90% of people you would speak to would say, look, we, we need to hold a certain level of citizenship above being a non-citizen. And they shouldn't be counted in the census in terms of reapportionment. Even if you want to count them in terms of block grant funding to states and certain programs, but not in the terms of affecting reapportionment, because again, you have immigrants, I mean, running, running the show. I mean, this is, this is what they have there. Scalia said in USV Arizona, the naturalization power was given to Congress not to abrogate states' power to exclude those they did not want, but to vindicate it. Meaning it was to help states not be affected by mass migration, not the other way around. You know what's so perplexing about Republicans? Maybe we'll talk to Steve Dace about this. Get his take on it. I get it. They don't care about outcomes. Their whole thing is to win elections. I understand that. The problem is, paradoxically, by them joining with the left on open borders, they're going to make it that they can no longer get elected in order to get in power and do nothing with it. I mean, that, that's the funny thing. But anyway, we've gone long here. I want to get to our guest. So Steve Dace doesn't need much of an introduction to this audience. Uh, many of you see me on his show. Many of you have found me from his show. Uh, every week, every Wednesday, um, we completed our last uh, session of War and Lamentation last uh, Wednesday, or this this Wednesday, actually. You could follow him at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. Um, and he obviously does have a daily show, but he is off the entire 
uh, Christmas week until the following week, but we were lucky enough to pluck him out of his bunker to join us for an end of the year finale. Hey, Steve, thanks for giving up your vacation for me. Hey, you do the same for me, brother. So you're more than welcome. Thank you very, very much for having me. Well, I figured I needed to enlighten your Christmas spirit so you didn't get enough of me earlier this week. But I wanted my audience to get some of you. And, you know, I started off the first half of the show just really more in the here and now um, doing a postmortem on the screwball of the last two weeks, the grand finale, which really it was mending, but it was very therapeutic in many respects because teachable moments where you see the truth um, just displayed so vividly really do set you free. And I think a lot of our audience saw that if if I couldn't articulate it that well this year, I think the end of the year really um, showed that. But I'd like to hear from you more broadly looking back. What did you learn from this year politically? Or is there nothing new under the sun? I don't think there's anything new under the sun, Daniel. I, I think there is from inside the Beltway bubble that you're much closer to than I am living in Iowa. There is this notion that Trump is a disruptor, that um, there was an acceptable amount of media bias on the left in the in the Democrat press, and the Republican Party had made its peace with it and was able to still uh, have this moral high ground. Uh, and and there was this form of of, of cultural detente, um, and and then Trump just came in uh, and blew all this up, and so everyone's gone nuts because he's the provocateur. None of that's true. None of it's true. Uh, I mean, I think, I, think, I think this is the narrative, if your audience is familiar with the Hunger Games, I think this is the narrative that District 1, the Capitol, I think, I think with their Caesar Flickemans out there, both in both the, the Democrat and the Team GOP media, are, 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 are perpetuating and proffering this because it's, 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 um, it's advantageous compared to self-awareness. Uh, I began this year, you know, I uh, releasing a book, Truth Bombs, and one of the key premises of the book is Trump is neither the problem nor the solution. He is a symptom of what has already been happening and what's transpired. It, it, and it's it's why people don't care if he uses his office to uh, gin up uh, evidence of corruption against his political opponents, because people watched Barack Obama use the IRS to do that to them. It's it's why they don't care if he lies to the media. Because they watched the media for many, many years lie about them. There, there's, there's no reason why you thought it was wrong for Barack Obama to have more people on food stamps than the population of Spain, except you're a racist. That could be the only possible reason. There could be no reason why you think kids are better off with a married mother and a father than you're a homophobe. There could be no other possible reason. There could be no other reason why you don't want drug cartels and human traffickers invading America's southern border other than you're a xenophobe. There can be no other possible reason. And so this is why when Trump Trump is the blunt instrument that a lot of Americans, yes, there is a group of Americans, especially within what I call TBN evangelicalism, and I can explain that to your audience if they care, that views him as some form of aspirational character. You know, on my show, we refer to it as Cheeto Jesus Saves, okay? But the majority, the, I would say 75 to 80% minimum of the 65 million people who voted for him in 2016 did so for one of two reasons. They hated Hillary Clinton, and or, you know what, he's my jawbone of an ass. And I, I prefer a shinier one, a more polished one. But I'll, you know what, if you, can't, if you can't wield the weapon you love, honey, wield the weapon you're with. And so if they picked up the jawbone that they had, 
And and that's why they love that he drives them nuts and insane. They have, you know, I don't know, you know, I got phone calls because I used to do a lot of liberal media. I thought it was beneficial for me to take our viewpoint into that lion's den for a long, long time. And I, in fact, I got called today by MSNBC wanting me to come on and talk about uh, the Christianity Today editorial. And I'm like, I'm on vacation. Oh. I'm not doing that. And I know why you want to talk to me about it, you, you, because they don't they don't even do bias anymore. It's just open propaganda now. And and I'll put up with your bias. I won't put up with your propaganda. That's where I'll kick the dust off my sandals and move on to the next town. But with 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 Trump, the reason that that people they they want to believe they, they chose after the election, they had a choice. They could either a do some self-reflection. How did we lose to this guy? How did this happen? I mean, we tried to get this guy the GOP nomination. You and I were on Ted Cruz, counting how many hours he was getting of free media that we had to buy, okay? So they tried to get this guy the nomination because they thought he was a clown and they could beat him. And then he turned around and he beat them. And so they could sit there, they could. They had a choice after the election. They could decide, A, how did this happen? How did our plan blow up in our face? Or B, we determined that the people are bad. They chose B. And, and, and so what they did is, they kind of they were they were going way over the speed limit to the on the highway to hell. Now they've got the pedal to the metal. That's all that's changed. Trump, the, the cake is, and I've said this to my audience all year long. The greatest lie in American politics is that things have changed. Nothing has changed. We on the right, we traded a few million suburban voters, white suburban voters, for a few million white rural voters. That's all that's changed. Everything else is the same. The cake is still the same. The frosting is zanier. I'll give you that. It's some zany frosting, but the cake is the same. Nothing has changed. Steve, you wouldn't even realize that a few minutes before I brought you on, I said we are like a icing without a cake, a harmony without a melody, a cheerleaders without a football team. Um, and that's exactly true. There's a lot to unpack there. And you you let you're leading me into my next line of thought, which is typically the duo we have. You say something and then I'll explain why I think it's even worse than that. I agree with what you said. But I think it's worse than that. And this this is what gets to me. I think something has changed. Now, it's basically the same, but people don't realize what has changed. You talk about the Democrat reaction to, to Trump. You, you talk about their view of Trump as a disruptor. The analogy I gave on yesterday's show was the following. If you have any good defensive lineman, any good defense, they're going to blitz you. They're going to come after you if you have the ball with everything they have. Okay, I mean, that's the reality. I mean, you're going to try to force an interception, force a fumble, sack the quarterback, put pressure on him, no matter what. It doesn't matter if you're playing against Tom Brady, in his prime at least, before this year, or the Cleveland Browns. If, the Cle if it's the Cleveland Browns, you're going to treat them as if they're Tom Brady. So Trump gets elected. He is perceived as, let's just say, Jesse Helms. You know, maybe some of our audience is um, is not old enough for that. So uh, Chip Roy, okay? Um, whatever figure, Nigel Farage, I say. One of the European right-wing leaders who truly spawned the movement, led the movement intellectually. They're all about it. So, like, he really is a Nazi. Like, not just like he's, you know, the left treats Trump like, oh my gosh, like this is for real. So what they did is like you said, they stepped on the gas pedal. They don't just say like, oh, what we do? He lay one, we lost. 
they improvised. And there's and I want to use the immigration issue because that was the biggest issue of the election. That was what defined Trump in many respects. And 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 to me, that most vividly explains this. What I have trouble with as a host and what I need you what I need your help with, and I'm struggling, and I came with a line of thought I said a little bit on your show this week, is how to quantify for people math when politics is an art, not a math or science, but it's often given over in terms of numbers. So not just the stupid drones of our colleagues that are satiated with talking points, but there are a lot of people, God-fearing people in my community, and I'm sure in yours as well, that genuinely share the values we do. They want the outcomes we do. They don't follow politics the way you and I do. Heck, even the people who do don't get it. And on paper, there's a lot of, there's a whole riff of, I, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. A lot of isolated things that seem like a lot of it accomplished. An, a, a, an enumeration of judges, 170 judges or whatever appointed. And it sounds like a lot. But what I'm trying to give over to people is the Democrats have a response to that. They went to the courts and upped the ante of judicial supremacism in a new innovative way that worked around that, that they're now accomplishing even more. Immigration. No amnesty, and, and the executive branch is even tightening some things up. Guess what? They went to the blue states, which contain 80% of the illegal immigrant population, and they now have killed ICE more than ever that their numbers are in the toilet because of what they did. So they're actually, quantitatively, they're actually winning even under Trump. And we don't have a response to that. We have a talking point. I have actually a column coming out in a couple minutes that explains this very vividly. So here's what I'm struggling with. What I see our people are doing is it's like the equivalent of focusing on the stock market. Imagine if you would follow the stock market every split second. So well, every second, well, it went up. It went up in this block. It went up in that block. But nobody has the ability to stand back and say, wait a minute, let's look at the trajectory. Now, that trajectory actually is very positive. It has gone up. But you look at any measure. You look at spending. You look at the cultural rock gut. You look at crime numbers. You look at immigration in any meaningful way. They got over a million known illegal aliens this year into the country under Trump. They had a 12% drop in deportations under Trump. They have more rights and protections to illegal aliens where they live under Trump. Sanctuary cities have tripled. Okay, they, they, are, they are winning. They are getting. They're not just complaining and uh, you know, oh, you know, orange man, bad. They're doing that too. But they are putting pedal to the metal. Tom Cotton told me, his office told me, they blocked this ban the box crap for criminals. For four years, they had a hold on it. They got it in the NDAA and he didn't even know about it. It's being signed into law as we speak. This is what I have trouble giving over to people, but I understand why they get caught up by those five-minute stock ticker symbols, and I don't know how to break people out of it. Daniel, I, I don't think that's new either. You know, I mean, change the, I mean, Planned Parenthood's funding doubled under our most pro-life president ever, George W. Bush. I mean, that, that has, that's, not, that's not anything different. There, there hasn't, I think that's, I think you just reinforced my point. I think what, if there's anything that's changed, I think our people thought Trump was going to change these things. Mm. And now that it's clear that he's not going to do that. And then, and and then, and, and then we're going to have an argument. Uh, he, he couldn't do it because the deep state and the media wouldn't let him. And they, they practiced a coup the whole time. 
and and he was just and he and he and he couldn't they wouldn't let him govern. There's some I, there's clearly some truth to that. Yeah. Um. Or well, at some point you have to tell these guys uh, take a long walk off a short cliff and defy some judges. You just described how blue states are practicing the doctrine of the lesser magistrate from our founding fathers, oh, yeah. but they're actually doing it to undo the Constitution. We won't. Our states, our red states, won't do it in defense of the Constitution. <laughs> and no. If they, do, if they do, the Federalist Society and David French will have their columns ready about how they're they're destroying America and have betrayed conservatism. Yeah. Okay, and William F. Buckley cries yeah. from the grave. Right. So that what's going to happen with and that's happening now is we're arguing the realization. This realization is beginning to hit, and this spending bill is another one similar to last year's, which he was going to sign until Rush Limbaugh and a bunch of people spoke up. And and he and he vetoed it. We had a shutdown over the holidays, and he essentially relented just so he could give a state of the union speech. That that was the reason he wanted to give a state of the union speech and relented so he could give a state of the union speech. All right. I, I, and so what's happening now is our people are breaking down into three camps. And, and I don't know how big each camp is. One camp is um, I just love me some Trump, 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 Trump. You know, I tune into Rush, Trump today. I tune into Fox, Trump tonight. Okay. You know, I, I, that's that's I, I, that, that's one camp. And, and that tends to be a camp that skews much older, you know? Um, and, and then the other two camps are, are divided over whether he couldn't do anything. And within that camp, some of the reason people are proffering that, frankly, is it's profitable. It's far more profitable to say that than to oh, point yeah. out that he could defy the courts. There's a lot more clicks to be had by portraying Trump as a victim. Or that there's something called a veto pen. Yes, or, or pointing out that he, ha- that he has one of those veto pens, right? And then the other camp is where more you and I would be in recognition of of those things, which, frankly, I, I started off this year poo-pooing a lot of that as excuses. And now, based on what I've witnessed the last 12 months between how the Mueller probe ended, you, the stupid Ukraine thing. All right. I have to admit now that a mm-hmm. lot of those things were real all along. But then I would come back and say, that's exactly why he should be doing the stuff people like you and I are talking about. And that's exactly why you don't fill the deep state. Yeah. With a shallow state. I mean, you got a guy like Mark Esper, a Raytheon lobbyist, put in there right. as um, the defense secretary. This guy said we need a 50% increase in Saudi military training. If, and- if, you're, if, you're, if your reaction, if your reaction to, to members of the intelligence community colluding with the media and the FBI to practice a de, a, a, a de facto coup of, Amer- of an American president in broad daylight, if your reaction to that is, to keep those troops in Afghanistan, give them billions more than you'd give to, to secure your own border. I can't help you then. And I think this is where I've, I've reached an impasse with my audience. I, you know, I, I, I still can't stand Mitt Romney. I couldn't stand him four years ago. I couldn't stand him eight years ago. You know why? I don't like liars. And the guy's a brazen one. And Trump endorsed him. But. And Trump endorsed him. That's because I was on the Gingrich campaign. I remember, we fought for that Trump endorsement when he endorsed <laughs> Romney instead. All right. And but and when you get into the general election, I'm like, there's no way I'm voting for this guy. I know he'll screw me if he gets in office. And then I listen to like four months of Barack Obama. I'm like, okay, my, my resolve is starting to wear down. <laughs> but then we get to these debates and that first debate where he cleaned his clock. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'm in. And then we get to the last two debates, especially that last one. Oh, and yeah. I, I lost count. I think it was a, a, a more than a dozen times he said he agreed with the president. And, and, I, and I came on the air. I was with Salem at that time. DACO was one of them, but yeah. yeah and, I, and, I, and I came on the air and I said, you know what? I can't want, I know you guys are all over me. Why am I not supporting Romney? Why am I not all in? Did you watch that debate last night? I can't want him to win more than he does. You know what I'm saying? I can't. I literally said Romney, that this week. Yeah. 
I, similarly, I would, you, you know what, dude, I'm so fired up about this deep state thing right now. I am ready to light a torch and light things on fire with what's going on right now. All right. But I can't, if, if the guy, if the object of, of the, that should be the galvanizing point of this, his response is to turn around and, and fund American troops as, 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 as mall cops to, to just waiting to be IED'd in Afghanistan. And, and then we, then he still has said like nothing about the Saudi national team that put off the terrorist attack in Pennsylvania, in Pensacola. <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. No, no, that's not true. So this ju just came out as we're going to air. Um, now, I don't know, to be fair, I don't think Trump himself, but Esper and the State Department concluded a investigation that there's no threats from uh, Saudi yeah. nationals. That, that, I, I, rem I remember we had the Fort Hood shooting when I was on the air <laughs> and, and, and the secretary of the army in the Obama years came out and his number one concern on CNN was he hopes this doesn't hurt their Muslim outreach program. Right. And I lost <laughs> my mind and so did my audience. I don't know how this is any different than that, frankly. I don't. And so no. I. I would. I can't. I'm not. A, I'm not a Trump guy. His personality doesn't mesh with mine. Um, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I, the narcissism and all that stuff. You. You couldn't pay me to watch a rally. I'm just. You know me. I don't get into that stuff. Okay. But in the end, I can set all that aside if I like your policies. And there's oh, been. Yeah. There's been plenty of people I've loved and adored. I wouldn't support them for public office unless they were the last Homo sapien on planet Earth. Oh right? yeah. I don't care about personalities. If and, I, and, and Steve, here's the deal. I think there was a lot of merit to what a lot of the more intellectual Trump supporters said about Trump versus yeah. Cruz in the primary about how you, if you are too good of a person, you get eaten alive by this evil system. You need a little dirt bagginess in you. And, and I see there's an element and it could really be used and they're right. And this is what bothers me. It's like what the president could do. And I've tried this. There are now confirmed at least 2,500 illegal alien homicides a year which is utterly insane. And no one in America knows about that. You want to talk about being pro-life for a minute. And I want to get that with the evangelical progressives um, and immigration, things like that, because you talk about lives that a hundred percent could be saved. Right. Um, if, right. So he, ICE is sitting on these cases. Now for me, it's often hard to get the president every day could tweet this stuff out. The, the, the theatrics he could have while we're on the air right now on Friday, he could come with stacks of 5,000 pages, pick up different pages, make fun out of it, tweet about it every day, demand a clean CR, every day bang away at them. He is the biggest, the bully pulpit backed by the threat of executive action and the veto pen. Right. That mix, this is what kills me. He could clean their clocks. And I know they're not going to do jack squat, and I want to get that in a minute, second term. I know it's all about winning elections. But I can't be more pro-winning elections than they are because right. he's at a point now where I think it's very likely, depending on who's the nominee, he could win. But it's very tough, given the retirements and the redistricting from the courts, to win back the House. You need a real galvanizer to win that House. And I'm trying to help them. And they yeah. just don't care. You know why they don't care? Because what happens if they were to win back that House? It's a replay of the first two years of his presidency, okay? He, everyone needs this impeachment. Now, the Democrats chose the wrong grounds to launch this. Yeah. They, they should have gone with Justin Amash's way overreach interpretation of the Mueller report. But, but, that, but that looks like, dude, that looks like the freaking Federalist Papers. Compared no one to, understands that. Yeah, to, to, compared to a 20s. Yeah, but it would have given them something. 
And they could have gone out there with a mosh as, a, as their former Republican human shield. And here's the thing. It wouldn't have changed any votes. The outcome would all be the same. But it, would have, it wouldn't have the backlash that this does. What you're seeing is the more people are watching the impeachment process, the less popular it is and the more popular Trump is becoming because the whole damn thing's ridiculous. The premise of this whole thing is that if Joe Biden was not running for president, it would be totally fine for the president of the United States to use his authority to unearth his son's corruptocrat act with the, at the American taxpayer's expense in a foreign country. But because Joe Biden's running for president, he can't be exposed. That's the swampiest swamp that ever swamped. Everybody freaking hates that. And that's why you're seeing these numbers blow up in their face. And, and I, here's what I here's If you would have told me, you know, one of my reasons I was never Trump four years ago, I was concerned with his persona of an authoritarian presidency. <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. I go, to bed, I go to bed at night sometimes praying, Lord, can he be more of an authoritarian, please? I can't believe out of time. He, yeah, and where, I, where you first saw this was, with, was, was, for me, where this really crystallized was Rex Tillerson. He gave that, to me, I, th I think that's the best post 9-11 foreign policy speech a president has given, is the one that he gave in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, in May of 2017. Yeah. And then his secretary of state goes out there and undercuts it publicly with his words and then his actions supporting Qatar and, and their ties to terrorist networks and everything else. Um, and then, you know, he gives the order to get rid of the tranny soldiers. The army essentially practices <laughs> civil disobedience. Oh, yeah. No one gets, no one gets fired. The, the, the reality is he's ju he just, other than dressing down a bunch of metrosexual skinny jean wearing hacks in the media, he just <laughs> doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, he's not swinging the set of lemons that I think a lot of our people believe that he is or or projected upon him that he was. And I think, yeah. you know, he figured, one thing a guy like Trump is really good at figuring out is who's the mark in the room. And he figured out Jeb Bush was the mark in the room. That Jeb Bush had never been punched in the mouth in his life and would have no idea how to respond. Born on third and treaded with a triple, he'd have no idea how to respond <laughs> when he got punched in the mouth. And, and it worked. And I think people thought, well, if he can do that to Jeb Bush, he'll do that to Z. And he'll do that to Iran, and he'll do that to Hezbollah, and he'll do that to the drug cartels, and he'll do that to McConnell and Ryan and the and the, and the establishment. And this, no, no, he won't. And what 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 a good, I guess I'll use the term businessman of of of, of Trump's persuasion. I'll use that because it's not my show. If it was my show, I'd just use another term, but it's yours, so I won't I won't use that. Uh, drop that deuce on your show and make you clean up the mess. Let's let's go with a nice euphemism. A businessman of Trump's. Type of persuasion. Well, is that is that you okay with that? Is yeah, that okay? yeah, that's is that FCC better? approved. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, knows who the mark in the room is, and he found the right mark. And now everybody thinks this guy is a badass, and he's not. And you see it in the passive aggressive way he whines on Twitter. You see it in in, in what he takes. If if you were the if you were the elected president, Daniel, and it came out in the open that your underlings were working in the media to practice a coup. I, you know what? I'd have to be impeached. You know, if it was me, you know why they'd have to impeach me? Because the amount of vengeful overreach that I would use my power to 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 bitch slap every one of these people that tried to do this to me and all of my voters, what I would do to them with that kind of power in my midst, they'd have that would be I would sh I will show you what an overreach of power looks like if you tried to do that to me. And he has largely sat there and taken it and then not only taken it. He has imposed the very policies that they were going to put in place if they successfully impeached him. 
And so I don't know where we go from here. And it's why I talk a lot more theology on my show these days. Well, yeah. And, 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 and hopefully we'll get to that a little bit if we have time. But um, that's exactly the point. Again, except with the little bit of nuance that because he is perceived to a certain extent, not just by the base, but by the left as being that way, just because they're just so you know blinded with vacuous hatred, they are activated as if he is implementing his speeches and his tweets. And therefore, you have this asymmetry where they're actually moving forward because there really is no resistance to it. They're moving forward even more. I want to continue along that train of thought that, I've, that I thought was very interesting. I was thinking about this last night. What would happen if Trump wins re-election? And let's say he wins re-election and Republicans take back the House. Let's just say for, for, um, to make this more, uh, more spectacular. Wins back the House. Okay. You can imagine, I mean, the conservative, click-servative media, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take five months just to recover from the click-servativeness from that. Yeah, there, and the there, left, there would be a click-servative gasm, no doubt about yeah. that. And, and the left, you, could you imagine, I mean, after everything you threw at him, like, okay, he's a Nazi, but people didn't realize he's a Nazi, but now after four years, they got to realize he's a Nazi, and he still got reelected. So yeah, you're going to have Antifa burning things down. Okay, but you're not just going to have Antifa defecating on cop cars and things like that. No, no, no. You know, and, and, and the stage is already set. What they're going to do is take everything they've done and step on the gas pedal. And here's what's going to happen. Yep. Let's talk about the courts and let's talk about the states. Courts. Okay. So the presumption will be that at least one seat, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, would be gone. So even though I could give an argument that even then, with another Kavanaugh type of guy, you won't necessarily have a clear majority, but the perception certainly will be on both sides. That that's it. Do you think the left's going to be like, oh, what are we going to do? No, they're going to say, and they've already done this, but they haven't used the words. The Supreme Court has become completely illegitimate. No one has ever swung it this way. It's just complete political appointments. Yeah. So they're going to go to their numerous district judges and get their stuff. And Republicans will be like, even after the Supreme Court took off the injunction, they'll come around to the second time. And look, so they're going to accomplish even more. And then in the states, they're going to take their sanctuary business. So I remember when we were talking about, I had this conversation with Dan Bongino because he was a federal agent. And he always said, you know, because we were talking together about, you know, Texas pushing back against Obamacare, which legitimately was unconstitutional. And we see all the courts agree it's unconstitutional. Um, in theory, even the Supreme Court agreed to that. And we said, like, you know, he, he was telling me, people think this the FBI guy comes down with a badge and, you know, commandeers everything. It doesn't work that way. And, and, and really, they could, they could tell him to buzz off. And the left has shown us this. They're like, heck, we'll arrest the ICE agents. I mean, you're, you're out of here. And, and they're like, okay, okay. I mean, they're listening then. So they're going to do this on every issue. They're going to, you know, 50% of the states, they're going to get ev more than what they've ever accomplished and will be, you know, conservative. Uh, look what, uh, you know, Jim Acosta said the same stuff. Tell me where I'm wrong. Is it going to get even worse? Yeah. yeah. See, the, here's the only where the only place you may be wrong is I think this is going to happen next year. I, I, I you know, we just we just uh, ran our year end days group uh, yesterday uh, and all of us give, uh, you know, our one big prediction for the year. And my big prediction for 2020 is, you know, if 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 you have done everything we have seen these leftists do to undermine him. Uh, and this election. And now the election, and none of it worked. And now the election is upon us. And people's optimism in the economy, 
is continues to grow, continues to, to stay strong. Um, you have minority unemployment at all time lows since at least we've been tracking that number. You're not going to just suddenly say, you know what, guys, I think we're just out of ideas here and we have to try to win this thing on elect. No, no, I think you're going to see the Federal Reserve try to trash the economy. I, I think you're going to see the intelligence community give national security leaks that put people in danger. I, oh, yeah. I think all I think every norm that that we used to have is gone. And I I, I think you're going to see even more of this next year in, in order to avoid him winning re-election. Um, and then you have I mean, the, the only the only candidate they have who is remotely approachable to voters that may not be communists but don't like Trump, he is mentally incompetent. And it, it's becoming more and more obvious. And that's Joe Biden. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of this before we even get to the reelect. So I think we know what they're going to do. They have been conditioned on the left that there is no outrage they will ultimately be held accountable for. And yeah, the voters will hold them accountable when they overreach, but they know inevitably they'll just, that just pushes the Overton window a little bit further. And you, we're talking about things now, Daniel, that five or six years ago, if you and I would have said, this is where we're going, we would have been called nuts. And this is now in the mainstream. You look so at blue state America, Steve. Look at blue state America. They, there's no 60 vote threshold ain't my homework the district judge ain't my homework right uh you know this is a federal powers then we i mean they come they see they conquer they virginia, don't talk about virginia, yeah. daniel virginia had voted democrat one time since reconstruction and that was for bill clinton all right that was the only time it had voted democrat since reconstruction and now it is a, and then it became a, then it devolved to a swing to a to a swing state and and the minute they got sole power there what did they do? Governor Blackface went on the radio and said, well, you know, we birthed a baby. We then throw it over there on the uh, on the table and the mom decides if, if she wants it. If she doesn't, you know, we just kind of snuff it out like right wide open on the air. This is this Virginia. Virginia was a reliable Republican state for 100 years. Mm -hmm. It then was a swing state for a couple of decades. And, and, and they, there is there's going to be no restraint here. And so and, and they've been they have been conditioned that they don't have to have any because there will be no substantive pushback. No the consequences. Only the only unpredictable thing is what would Trump do? Anytime anybody asks me what Trump will do, I, just, I, I don't know. I don't think he knows. I think it's, I think it's every bit as possible if he wins re-election. I think, I think all these solutions, or all these scenarios are possible. He just resigns with scoreboard and walks away. He, he finally says, I've got the power behind me and I'm going to unload on these people or we just get more of the same. I think all of those scenarios no. are equally possible. St Steve, I, I, you're basically right, but I don't think it's equally possible to have what, 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 what our base thinks would be, oh, he'll be vindicated and he'll go all out because right. here's he'll the treat, deal. He'll treat, he'll treat the deep state like we saw this in 04. So we, we, we let the Islamists run Fallujah for a, for a year. And we did it because Bush was scared to death to go in there and rack up the casualty count and upset the Arab street and the New York Times. And so we let a whole bunch of people die there until five minutes after the 2004 election, when Bush was certified the winner, we sent the damn Marines yeah. in there and started racking up casualty numbers without any regard for what the Arab street or the New York Times thought. I think our base is fantasizing that this is what this is what Trump will do when he has this all behind him and reelect and he doesn't have to face the voters or anything else that <laughs> he is just going to go complete ape poop. That's the fantasy. I it's possible. I don't think it's a high possibility, but but that is the fantasy. Sure. But, but Steve, th there's a reason why not. And this is what I'm culminating with. This is what we're getting to. It's not a matter of how many seats you have in Congress, the type of people you have. 
It's not a matter of how many states you have, how many judgeships you have, who's the pick for this position, who's the pick for that position. It's not even so much the president, because this would mainly happen, minus a couple of nuances, with even a Ron DeSantis, I would say, anyone. The problem is you need a movement. And when you look at the left, you know, people watched me the last two weeks to the best of my ability as one human being trying to go through all the provisions, this and that. The left had this. They, they made sure to brag. The way we, the only reason we knew about some of these provisions is because we saw the left bragging about it, but they made sure to wait with the jailbreak provision and with the Liberian amnesty, like the immigration lawyer there said on Twitter, okay, now I could talk about this. You know, they have, for every one of me, they have a thousand paid staffers on crime. I mean, that's an industry they created. So they, they got the talking points, they got everything. They have it there. So that's how they're always able to adjust and move, strike, maneuver, strike, maneuver. What I saw amazingly last night was one major daily kooks type of commentator, but there's a lot of people, there's a, there's a movement behind this, said during the debate the following. You know, it's not just enough to talk about judges. We need to move on to the next plan of expanding the courts. Now, we have explained why even with the Trump numbers, there's 50 million reasons why they're actually doing better than ever. But they have an answer to that. They're not going to just sit there and take it. The next time they would get in, they're going to say, oh, yeah, what can we do? The Fifth Circuit said in Texas we're going to do. No, right. they're going to expand each one. See, they, they constantly move. That's what a movement does. No, and see, this- they, they, here's why they do that, Dan. You, are, you do have a movement. You have a movement around you. But it's the goal, the end game of your movement is to get on Fox News. That I'm not joking. That's not a lie. It's a talking point. It's the truth. It's to, it's to craft. Let me put it this way. Let, let me give your audience of, of, as I adjust my camera again, I'm sorry. Uh, this is what happens when you catch me at home. And I've got to ad hoc this puppy. But um, here, here's, what, here's, here's what it's like to work in conservative media. Because your audience, if, if you're watching this, you're not watching. Like very few people are probably incensed or offended at what we're saying. Guys like you and I have probably driven all of those people away by now. <laughs> all, right? all right. So if you're watching this, you're tracking with us on some level. So here's what it here's what it's like to be guys like us. If if you and I go on LinkedIn and go find uh, you know producers we're connected with on Fox News, for example, and just go send them a note. Hey, do you know that this is in the NDAA bill? Did you know that this is in the spending bill? Right. It, you're gonna get no nuggets, none whatsoever. All right. If we go on there and say, hey, if you got, hey, I wrote this cool column about how no one's watching impeachment. I saw this, I saw they, I had somebody from the Heritage Foundation on Fox News this week who had written a column about how no one is watching impeachment. So they're going to devote 10 minutes of national television time on the yeah. second most watched cable news network behind ESPN, Fox News. They're going to devote a whole bunch of time talking about something no one's talking about. Okay. Yeah. Does that? It, that only makes sense if you realize what the point of the conversation is. And so since that is the apex of our movement, for most people anyway, and that's the goal. You and I have heard this from members of Congress. That won't play on that won't play on Fox tonight. Okay, we can't do that. The whole the end game here for our people is to get on Fox and then to watch and be seen getting on Fox. That's the end game of the movement. And so everything is done about what will play on Fox. And the, the beauty, game, Steve, yeah, yeah, the beauty, Steve, is that. Schumer and the Dems know this. So yep. what, what I what I my column says today, Trump's tweet 
The Democrats designed it around Trump's tweet. Oh, we got the tobacco age. We got the Space Force. We got the wall because they know they get the outcomes and he needs a talking point. So Schumer is very good at this. He'll give they know that Republicans have to come back with something. I got the the right. So they gave him 70 miles of border wall. But what they did was they put an amnesty provision in there that defeats the border wall times 10. And like you want to talk about a movement, you want to talk about 3D chess. I have a column out yesterday. Center for Immigration Studies did an interesting study. They said, what would have happened had we not had Hart Seller in 1965, the Kennedy immigration bill? And they 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 took the census that if you would take out those immigrants, which now include a lot of naturalized citizens, they are citizens, you would take that out versus where it is now. 24 seats. And corresponding with that is electoral college votes were transferred to Hillary states as a result of that 24. And then even today, if you would revert back to only counting citizens, you would still lose 10 seats from states like California, New York. Okay, that is 4D chess. That's where Democrats, they they get their results. I mean, I'm I'm glad you went there because. Prior to Reagan's amnesty in 1986, Republicans won California seven of the previous nine presidential elections, seven of the previous nine. Since Cal- since Reagan's amnesty in California in 1986, Republicans have only won California one time. It was the very next election, George H.W. Bush, by a, bar- by a narrow margin, only a couple of points, over Michael Dukakis. And I think at least four times the Republican nominee, Daniel, has not even gotten 40 percent of the popular vote in California statewide. Now, stop and think about the fact that the number one driving issue of the people who run this party, its donors and its consultants, is to grant what? What is its number one driving impulse? Amnesty. They're all amnesty pimps. Why are they peddling a policy that would, because here's what happens. And and allowing domestic felons to vote is the new coolness. But but if you look at Texas, its demographics right now are very similar where California, California was in the mid to, or late, uh, early to mid-1980s. Yep. If you were to do that, okay, if you were to grant Beta O'Rourke the last three points he needed to beat Ted Cruz in 2018, for example, and if you were to flip California blue, it's over on a national – It's over, state. yeah. The, the, the electro, the, New York, the states that they have that are, that are 100% big population states, New York, California, Texas – that's like almost 70% of the electoral college that you need to win right there. And so, and yet for, for, for two decades now, and for most of you and I's career, we've had to push back against the Republican party. If to, to Just stop not to from, expand it. Yes. To stop them from doing a policy that would make it virtually impossible for them to win any national election for the foreseeable future. Now, do you think they did not know this? Do you think they were unaware of these numbers? Do you think they were they were just maybe originally guys like you and I, we took them to them. We kind of thought maybe they just don't know. Oh, they 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 knew they knew all along. They don't care. You're aligned with a political party that doesn't care about the things you care about. And the reason why they play 4D chess on the other side is because, as you once told me, Democrats inspire their base to get what they want. And Republicans have to conspire against their base to get what they want. Fox is a perfect vehicle to provide talking points to keep people in lemming status so they don't critically think. Meanwhile, while we're mocking what goes on on the on the lefty channels, it's constantly driving their narrative. Oh yeah. Constantly driving their zeitgeist on on policy, on power, on policy, on power. 
cars never drive on policy and power. Because in the end, the end game is, how do I get on Fox and get exposed on Fox? So even the Great Heritage Foundation is now reduced to doing clickbait numbers on Nielsen ratings for CNN to get on Fox. Okay, And why we need criminal justice reform so that, I mean, this a lot of people aren't following this concurrent with all of the release and the abolish bail and abolish sentencing. You know what's happening? Every state now felons voting. Um, Bashir, Andy Bashir gets in there in a state that can where can, Trump carried 118 out of 120 counties, carried it by like 30 points statewide, 140,000 felons voting. I mean, these guys come, they see, they conquer. They don't waste time. Name me one red state that's like any of the states that are blue on there a is, single issue. There, there is I, the opening pages of, of my last book, Truth Bombs, I go into our liberty score here, and I and I go look at the liberty scores of Republican senators in the most red states, and they're almost all failing. And then I go look at the liberty scores of Democrats in true swing states, and there's they're like at 10, 15 percent or lower. They don't move at, to the middle at all, whether they're representing Ohio or they're representing Massachusetts. But the Republicans don't move to the right at all, whether they're moving representing Texas and Kentucky or they're representing Washington State or Oregon. OK, yep. and so you're, this is the old biblical principle of we're unevenly yoked. At this point, this is where audiences like ours say, I'm so discouraged. What do I do? I don't know the answer. Okay? Oh, great. OK, and, <laughs> I was and, hoping you did. And, and that's why I, I recommend there's two things I recommend on a civic level. I think the only vehicle that is somewhat somewhat plausible and achievable, and I don't know how high the odds are, but the only vehicle I think that gives our people a voice outside of the two party pro process is a convention of states. Now, I don't know how achievable that is. I'm, I, but, but, but it's Steve. gotten, I'll say this, it's gotten a lot further yeah. than I thought it was going to ever get when I first heard about it 10 years ago. The other thing I would say too is, and this is why I do more theology and I talk about revival. Ultimately, let's, ultimately, we get the politicians we deserve. And most Americans really are in, 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 a, in, in, a, in two camps, sadly. People that are totally given over to the new Marxism because they were we let them control the the schools for a generation and turn that into their youth ministry and 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 alt and and they are they are doing the output of the that's a result of the input we subsidized on our on our dime that's that's one group and then the other group is a is a generation of people that really want some form of limited government except for their handout that really want some form of transcendent morality except when when they act out and they get the babysitter pregnant, they want to be able to have her get an abortion so nobody knows. Um, and 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 if you look at the last two nominees that we just had for president, they perfectly represent what the vast majority of America is. One group of people who hates the symbols and values the country was founded on, and then another group of people who verbally assents to liking it on some level. And 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 but the minute it causes them to be held accountable to the same standard they want to hold the people they don't like to, they begin meandering and tapping out. And I don't know how to get around that. And I'm not God, and I'm not empowered to get around that. I can only serve in the times in which I've been, I, I have been placed as a human being. And that's largely the reality of where most of America is. Now, strategically, to me, I think it is the perfect time for a wedge party because of that. Yeah. Instead of a instead of like a third party, a wedge party, meaning meaning that if anybody wants anything, if the Democrats want Medicare for all, 
We've got just like a United a UK Independence Party, for example. That's exactly got, what I was thinking of. Yeah, we've, we've got enough votes. Hey, you want Medicare for all? Then Planned Parenthood has to be defunded or it doesn't pass. Okay, stuff like or we, where we can leverage these two duopolies. You're trying to make a corporatist endeavor. The Republican Party is not interested in your culture war, and it, and it really hasn't been for a couple of decades. It's just not. So. It, to me, it, what, what the Republican Party is in, interested in is the vested interest of its corporatist donors. And what the Democratic Party is interested in is the vested interest of its ideological aims. So right now, you're in a position where you're getting you're getting nothing and being told to like it. You know, we're, we're, we've reversed Reagan's line that is my friend who's my 80 percent friend, my 20 percent enemy. We'll go look at these. Lindsey Graham's liberty score this morning is 26 percent. So what's the person in South freaking Carolina? All right. So what's so what's the person who's your seventy five percent enemy? What do you call that guy? An enemy, all right? So to me, we either have to create a vehicle that lets the seven thousand men in Israel who have not taken the knee to bail yet that that follow shows like yours and mine. We need to create a vehicle where they can be a wedge, a pest in the system, within the system, okay? Or we have to focus on things that actually give us a voice and or or play a longer generational game and. And that's where Luke and Leia, back when Star Wars was good, um, that's where you know you, you, you hide Luke and Leia for a time in the future where it would be better for them to come to the forefront and wage war again. Because right now you're just you're just too overrun. Oh boy, I mean, see, you're 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 dishing out the lamentations. I was hoping for a little bit of Ezekiel, but I do think, I mean, the convention of the states idea. It's something I I think we need to have a conversation with some of those people because we have a big uh, COS audience here. Um, a lot of state directors I know watch this program, and what I've long felt is that they have the strongest grassroots that are smart and honed in. Yep. And I know Mar I I I could say it was off the record, but I don't think he minds saying it. I remember trading emails a year or two ago with Mark Meckler, and he was open to the idea of expanding the purview, not necessarily getting involved in DC, but a perfect example I, I gave is of how we won't take yes for an answer from Trump. Ironically, mm -hmm. Trump said, I'm gonna allow states and localities to veto refugee resettlement. So the less like, all right, they come in there and they do their things. And, you know, the Democrats, they get them in a minute. The Republicans are a bunch of rhinos. They get them in states that and counties Trump carried by 46 point margins in Burley County, North Dakota. And our side is like, they don't even know what's happening. They don't even know what's happening um, because, again, they're on morphine from all this stuff because of what we talked about the first half an hour here. So that's really where I think we could make strides. I think things that you know, Common Core was a great um, galvanizing moment where people don't care about impeachment. They're not watching exactly. They care about communities. I always say all the time, what's those are, in my, yeah. Those are, those are issues where- if My we, community, if, neighborhood. Yes, yes, if I give you, because here's the, why was Brexit successful? Why was arguably the greatest living British celebrity other than royalty, Ringo freaking star of the Beatles? Why was he supportive of Brexit? Okay, do you think he probably has a lot of the same political views we do? I highly has a big Beatles fan and being very <laughs> familiar with their music and their lives pre and post Beatles. I think the answer to that question is no. Okay, but what Brexit provided and what Common Core provided and what the Convention of States I think can provide is a vehicle where people feel as if I don't have to be I don't have to join your tribe to stand up for something we agree in. See what happens right now. 
is both of these political parties say, the Republicans say, the cost of you being pro-life is you have to support subsidies and tax breaks and payouts for the very corporations that keep organizations like Planned Parenthood and the Rainbow Jihad afloat. That, that's the cost. That's what they say to our audiences. That's the cost. And then what, what, what the system says to people is the cost for you as a single mom to have health care you can afford, the, the, the cost for you to do that is you have to then also support a whole bunch of rot gut you'd never voluntarily expose your kid to in the first place. If we had a vehicle by which uh, where and, though, and, and issues like Brexit and issues like Common Core provide opportunities where people who holistically, you may not be able to get to adopt your R or D brand, but they feel like I'm free here to exercise my conscience. And we need to look for more vehicles like that. You know, Steve, I saw that with Nigel Farage bragging about this. And I don't know the truth. I don't know their electoral politics, but it does seem that with his Brexit party, the conventional wisdom, as it always is in America, well, if you have a conservative party, we'll split the Republican vote and the Democrats will win. It turns out that every bit of Tory vote he might have taken away, he might have taken away more labor votes. People that were in villages, towns in, right. in England that either their families or their towns voted labor for 100 years, they weren't going to vote Tory. They just this weren't going to do it. You and I have both done something that most people in our industry have frankly not done. And that's actually organize candidates and campaigns, recruit candidates and campaigns, you, you, or recruit candidates and, and consult with campaigns. There's a lot of people, including people with huge names in our business, that have not done this. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know what you have seen where you have gone. But I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I, can, I can't think of a single example where, where I helped a candidate or recruited a candidate or know of a candidate or worked with one who, when they went into one of the blue-collar areas you're talking about and identified as a Republican, got the door slammed in their face because of where they were at on life or marriage. That's, those are all Republican consultant class lies. You know what got the door or slammed I want in amnesty face? for illegals right now. Yeah. I want criminal justice reform. Yeah. You know what got the door slammed in their face? You guys only care about rich people. You don't care about me. That's what it was. That's what it was. And that's what that's what you saw with the Brexit vote in the UK. That's what you're describing. Is a whole bunch of people like that House of Lords doesn't care about people like me. Those Tories don't care about people like me. Not to mention, they want my kids to go and do endless war in Afghanistan too. And I want the hell out of there because it's always my kids that have to go fight in those wars, not theirs. I remember Cleveland Creedence. We, we were playing CCR's Fortunate Son when I was a kid. And now it's about my kid who's got to go die in Afghanistan for the fourth time. Their kids never have to go. Hell no, I don't want to vote for those Tories. Well, now it's not the Tories. Now it's like, do you believe your own national autonomy? Do you think you and Germany should be subsidizing the entire European Union because Greece doesn't know how to run a damn country? Do you think that's what you ought to do? All right. And suddenly now that you take it out of the Tory labor dynamic and you just ask me directly, what do I think? Suddenly now we're going to find some areas where we agree. And I think we need to do more of this on these sorts of issues like a common core, like, yeah. a, like, an, like an amnesty and on more and more platforms like a convention of states. You know, I, I wish anyone in the audience, if you guys remember this, email me, dharwitz at blazebd.com, tweet me at armconservative. I don't remember where I saw this for the life of me. It was about two years ago. Nate Silver put out a, some sort of blog post that he had a podcast about this on how he thought, and he's, he's a lefty guy, but he thought that the country is ripe for a third party, Yeah, but it's I'm not going to be the, what did he call it? The Kasich-Hickenlooper elite, right. you know, Bloomberg thing that people think. 
it would be a coalition against cultural Marxism, which yeah. is more or less kind of what we're talking about. And I mean, what I saw very interesting, a very foundational thing happened this week that nobody is talking about. And, and another perfect opportunity for this. See, Chip and I have developed a messaging on healthcare that is 100% populist, even though it's 100% conservative on what healthcare should be. And it demonstrates how it's all the rich healthcare cartel that's behind all the venture socialism, funneling all this crap with, you know, healthcare doesn't work like a normal market. They're behind all this. Guess what happened this week? The stupid bill that Trump is signing as we're talking, okay? You have the most, right, officially socialist, hate corporatist Democrat caucus ever. Only seven of the 230 House Democrats voted no, and only two of the 47 senators voted no, and it was because of random weird reasons. And even then, Kirsten Gillibrand was one of the two. She put out a press release praising most of the thing anyway. Um, Merck, Ed Markey from Massachusetts he put out a press release, not just praising the bill, but specifically on repealing the medical device tax. They repealed the portions of Obamacare that the corporatists didn't like. I mean, this is the Democrats doing yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, this is the joke. Here's my question to you, Steve. My father just returned from a trip to China. He's still uh, plugging away. He's going to retire soon. He goes there a lot. And he said he's fascinated by he sees the corporatists there. He said, you'd be shocked. They have billionaires. These guys are wealthy as anything. And he tries to kind of talk with them a little bit. Like, hey, do you, do you go for this crap? Like, and their eyes kind of become glazy. And he could tell there's more there that they long for freedom. But at the end of the day, see, they kind of have venture socialism there. It's not like the Soviet yeah. Union because yep. they got smart. So they're, they're figured out that if I give the masses a smartphone and an yeah. LED TV, They'll put up with all kinds of oppression. And, but but not just the out. smartphone. They have a whole class that's very wealthy, and they're yeah. not necessarily involved in the Communist Party, but they certainly have to support it. And, you know, they don't want it. They He could tell they want freedom. But look, this is how I become rich, and I'm not going to sack the system. And, you know, oh, my gosh, that's crazy, these Chinese people. And then I said to myself, that's really what American CEOs have become. It's a different type of tyranny. It's in order to get your rid of passage, you have to support the homosexual agenda. You have to support yep. refugees. You have to support criminal justice reform. You have to support yep. open borders. You have to, have to support um, uh, abortion. You have to support individual welfare. You have to support environmentalism. But a couple of regs and taxes, you'll push for that, and then you get yours. My question to you is, at what point, because it's not China, and officially you do have freedom, do they start pushing back? I saw a Chamber of Commerce of California put out a poll saying that 70% of Californians are worried about the homelessness, the theft, the vagrancy, the increased crime there. Now, they didn't say where they're coming from, but I was thinking, well, why is the Chamber coming out? I know the Chamber is all for criminal justice reform. At what point when you have rampant anarchy and theft from open borders, from the refugees, but particularly now the dismantling of of literally just, I mean, the Soros prosecutors in San Francisco, does it, it starts affecting them. It's not just principles that they don't care about. Are we going to see a time where they're going to have to come around? We are approaching that time. And, and, and this is, if anything, what the ultimate benefit of a Trump presidency is going to be, is everything is out in the open now, Daniel. 
and and where everybody truly stands, he has he has been the greatest revealing presence I've seen in my career and maybe in American history. When you look at everybody now is out in the open about what their true motivations are, what they really want to do, what they're in this business to do, what they're running for office for, everything is now out in the open. When he goes away, I think you and I would probably agree. The Republican Party thinks that this was just a, a temporary tantrum by its base. It's going to try to go. In fact, it's going to probably do this five minutes after he wins re-election and treat him like a lame duck would be my guess. And and then we'll see how he tries to how he responds to that. Whether he lets them cuck him for another four years, I don't know. Okay? Fox will start putting on one of these Republican governors yes. that make Lamar Alexander and Susan Collins look like yep. Nigel Farage. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, it won't be your buddy Ron DeSantis who's doing a great job and has a sky high approval rating. It'll it'll be it'll be somebody that makes um, Bill Lee uh, from Tennessee who said that we yeah. can't open the prisons quickly enough and how Trump better resettle some refugees. He said that this week right. in his state. Right. It'll be somebody like that. You're right. And and the and the Republican Party machine is going to say back to regular order. The problem is this is all out in the open now. Our our and 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 we're gonna get it. We're gonna find out who our base really is too. And what one of two things is going to happen here? Either our base is gonna say, um, hell no, we can't we can't go back to regular order. All right, look, look what look where the country is at. We're getting screwed here. My way of life is over, and 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 there will be there and 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 there will be a revolt that the people will have to lead this time because they won't be able just to easily transpose all of that onto Trump and then have him be their proxy. They're going to have to do this themselves. Or our people will say, well, you know, I think it sucks, but it's not like I'm going to vote Democrat, you know? And so I I'm going to be, I'm going to go King Hezekiah here. Well, yeah, that stuff's not going to happen in my lifetime. So I'll just kick the can down the road, keep watching my Fox and, 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 you know, zombify this, uh, this son of a gun. It's going to be one of those two. And it might even be a generational thing. Um, you know, I, I think the older generation, a lot of them, uh, is so it's hard to break outside of your paradigm. You know, we're seeing this in American evangelicalism right now, where a, a, a lot of the pastors that are emerging are my age. And, and they love they love the word of God and they don't want to be they don't want to turn. They don't want to be Jerry Falwell Jr. Clown shows. All right. They don't, they're not interested in that. They don't want they don't want to follow in the footsteps of Franklin Grant. I know I know I know a lot of evangelical pastors who are struggling to keep Samaritan's Purse in their churches because as much as they love that charity and what it does for the downtrodden across the world, the baggage that they have to t put up with because mm. of Franklin Graham's political slobbering and now endorsing books of, from prosperity gospel heretics like Paula White. All right. The baggage that they have to navigate. They're concerned about it. All right. And so the, my my age group is taking over the past, the pulpits now, and they don't want to be the, the Robert Jeffress clown show. I, re, I remember it was just a few years ago watching Robert Jeffress walk up and down the halls at the NRB convention, at the Gaylord in Nashville, begging for someone to talk to him. And now he's he's the Protestant pope, first church of the of the Republican Party down there in Dallas on Fox News every night. The, the, a lot of the pastors don't want to follow in those footsteps, which I agree with, by the way. But but a lot of them now are also choosing to exchange one canard and false choice with another. And that's yep. that ridiculous editorial that Christianity Today put out yesterday. The Soros. When, 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 yeah, they claimed that he had violated the Constitution. Yes, I did read it for my detractors, by the way. I read every damn word of it. 
They claimed he violated the Constitution, but couldn't point to anything in the Constitution he violated. And then the whole rest of the thing was, Orange Man is bad. I don't like his character. So that's grounds for impeachment, which then, of course, predictably provokes Franklin Graham, since his father founded this magazine, pro provokes Franklin Graham to now come out and do even more slobbering. You know, it, though, and, and, and so what's being lost in here is a lot of the, a lot of the people that folks like you and I could reach with a third way of principle are so disgusted by this dynamic that they're just tuning out. They're, 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 they're because Steve, Steve, I am very scared about religion in this country. Um, with Catholics and Jews and certainly Mormons in Utah, the establishment of those religions, this happened a long time ago. But what you're now seeing with evangelical Protestants, what's really scaring me is that Soros evidently is a godly man. So Soros is right on illegal immigration. That's what Jesus wants. Soros right. is right on Muslim refugees because evidently one Europe is not enough. Um, Soros is right on um, criminal justice. Uh, we're all for second chances, even if that means 25. Um, and some of them even are getting into some of this environmental stuff. And like we had this in Baltimore, there was one synagogue where Orthodox, not you know the pagans, and you know that that's been that way for a long time. A guy, the the, the rabbi comes in one day with this green stuff, like I mean, this and people are like what? The, I mean, what the heck? Where did that come from? I mean, because you know in Baltimore, it's really they ban plastic bags and everything, and you're sitting in. I mean, between social media and the fact that there's no equal and opposing force to what the left is doing. But the fact that the left are the only ones who couch their views in quasi-spirituality. And, I mean, you listen to every speech from a Derricat. It's wearing our people down. Yeah, Barry, I know, I met Barry Loudermilk when he was running for the first time at CNP, which is like the Skull and Bone Society for the conservative movement. And I was doing a presentation on- I endorsed him, by the way, yeah. And he came over, loved it, bought the book, introduced me to his wife. And he's the guy up there making the ridiculous speech this week that Pontius Pilate treated Jesus better than Nancy yeah. Pelosi has. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, in response to this, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez treats out Romans 125. And, and the book of Romans, particularly starting at the 18th chapter, is about people like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, people that have been people who have rejected the creator to worship the created a graven image. People that have chosen that they have been bound and determined, I will be immoral, God. You cannot stop me. And so God says they have been given over to their own depraved minds to do what should not be done, to promote that which is shameful. They delight in creating new ways to do evil and encouraging others to do the same. That's the last line of the book of, of the chapter one of the book of Romans. And now they're openly, brazenly promoting this when it's about them. And, We've got Mayor Pete Buttigieg, okay, whose who's only constituency, if you look at the polling, black voters don't want him. They're never supporting the Light and the Loafers Brigade. They're never doing that, ever. <laughs> I mean, when we did the marriage amendment in your state in 2012, it, it, you know, Mitt Romney got destroyed in your state, and the marriage amendment lost, but it, won, it was like— It was very 10, close, very close, it, yeah. It was like 15 points higher than Mitt Romney, largely because of black voters, all right? And, and yeah. what I, my favorite polling result of the Democrat entire Democrat process, there's, it's a tie. It's that Pete, Pete Buttigieg's black support is at two percent, and I love the fact that among college brown and black voters, so even the new generation that's been all worked over by the rainbow jihad, even the black and brown minority voters, he's in the he's in those single digits with them. <laughs>
I freaking love that because what it shows is his, his only constituency are a bunch of white suburbanites who want to show, who want a virtue signal to the very leftist who will undo them and show I'm not really a homophobe. I'll vote for a guy I don't even agree with on any other issue just to prove it to you. Please don't hate me. And this is where we are at. And that's why it's, it, to me, it's revival or nothing. It, it's, and, and I'm going to actually work on an outline for a book that I'm going to release in 2021 oh, after wow. the election. And that's going to be that. That's going to be the working title of the book. I'm going to work on it on my the outline on my vacation, revival or bust, because I think yep. that's ultimately where we're at right now on a big picture as a culture. Because because that's what it is. I mean, I see the people who who claim to be the guardians of biblical values, they're now being the loudest champions of Soros. So I mean, you look at Bill Lee again, governor in Tennessee, a state like Tennessee, Bible Belt. So. At first, I was like, hey, you know, it's those nine parasitic pagan contractors that call themselves religious. There's the Catholic Charities, the Lutheran, the uh, the Hebrew immigrant, aids, all that stuff. You know, but that's not really what's doing it. They're, they're active. They're, that's not what's doing it. You have letters sent to the Republican officials there of several hundred evangelical right. pastors saying you, you have um, Tony Perkins. You know, Trump gets elected. And he's like, all right, you guys, you know, I'm not one of you, but you guys, I love you guys. You guys help me get elected. What is it you want? And they're like, we want criminal prison reform. And right. Tony Perkins like sends a letter to him. How dare you cut, um, you know, Sunni Shiite, uh, you know, civil war Muslims, uh, refugees. Yeah, and, a Tony, and, and Tony's among the better ones. I know. I, I mean, nothing I on the homosexual agenda, especially the issues we could totally win on, the transgender stuff, nothing on that, um, nothing on defunding Planned Parenthood when the ball is actually in play. Uh, I, I mean, we have Soros already. Who needs this? I don't, I, I, what's gone on the last 24 hours between that Christianity Today editorial and then Franklin Graham's response is, is an absolute portrait of, of where evangelicalism is in America today. And for those of you that are watching that are not evangelicals, here's why it matters to you if you're a conservative. Without those evangelicals, there would have never been a Reagan presidency. Without, without those evangelicals, the 80s never happened. That, that mobilization of evangelicals in alliance with Catholics who had never voted Republican in American yep. history, except for Dwight Eisenhower, was the only Republican they had ever voted for in American history. That alliance, post Roe v. Wade, is what created the conservative grassroots. The difference between Barry Goldwater's destruction in 64 and Ronald Reagan's wrecking mm. of Carter in 1980, one political talent, let's just be honest about that, but the <laughs> other one is, there was a third leg of a stool Barry Goldwater didn't have access to. Because yes. in 1964, a lot of American evangelicals weren't even politically active at the time. And Catholics, the idea they'd vote for a Republican was never even on the table. Oh, yeah. All right. What changed everything was Roe v. Wade. And that provided Reagan an opportunity to now, with the with the hawks on the military side and and the and the economic technocrats about deregulation and low taxes, that crowd. Hey, some nice and great people there, but they're not going to win you a lot of elections because they're not big in number. You know what's big in number? The people that are sitting in those pews every single Sunday. And that provided the grassroots masses, CPAC, those events like CPAC never occur. Why, why was it started by, who started CPAC? People like Billy Schlafly and people like that. Where did they come from? This 
this moment in American politics that I'm describing. Without American evangelicalism, there's never a Reagan presidency. Much of the conservative infrastructure you take for granted today never would have existed, never would have existed. And so if, if, if for those of you that have different theological convictions than me, this is why you should care. Because if, 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 the, if the group I, uh, that my viewpoint represents continues to disintegrate, it's going to have far-reaching implications on your ability to build winning po- political coalitions on a, on, a, on a grand scale. And there it is. Truth bomb after truth bomb. You wanted it. We gave it to you. Um, this is two shows in one. So uh, I'm kind of atoning for taking off so long. Steve, thanks so much. Merry Christmas to you and Amy and your family. Um, look, Micah 6-8 is all we can do. All we can do is speak the truth, walk in the way of God discreetly, and hope for a better new year. And, um, you know, that's the thing. At the end of the day, as Patrick Henry said, I would rather know the truth and be able to take action and defend against it than not know it. And that's that's really what we need to do. Um, I think our audience appreciates it. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next year, this has been our final episode. Enjoy your family time. Merry Christmas to you. Happy Hanukkah. Happy New Year. And let's hope for a better year. 